Hey everyone, Pam here. The episode you're about to hear was originally going to be last week's microbrewin, but due to the length, we decided to make it the main episode this week. This is also a good time to announce that we are switching up our release days to Monday and Wednesday. So look for the second part of our coyote discussion next Monday. Thanks for listening. Sorry, I think I'm kind of feeling that uh, Moscow mule, actually. That brings us to our topic today, mules. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bears and Bruce podcast, to the microbrewing edition. I'm Pam, and I'm joined by Salome, as usual. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so I've already had a cocktail, a fairly strong one, because today was a, a rough day at work, but that's okay. Um, what are you up to? I am... Um, What's going on? Recording a podcast with you uh no i (laughs) (laughs) i've just been putting stuff away in the house i think i i think my desk got here to put together so i gotta try to read the instructions i've been putting a lot of furniture together lately and a lot of it's just pictures with like sometimes arrows and sometimes the parts are numbered but sometimes it's just pictures of them yeah. So we'll see how that goes. It's part for the course. Uh, yeah. Um, I am I so excited to see you this weekend <laughs> because yeah. it's my 40th birthday. God damn it. Oh. If anybody wants to get me a present, Aww. all you have to do is rate and review <laughs> and share the show. That's that's good enough for me. That's a good present. It's a good present for me too. It's not my birthday or anything. But. Yeah, your birthday is not till May, so why don't you just calm down? <laughs> um, don't tell everyone my birthday. <laughs> Identity theft is not a joke, fam. Is that a Dwight quote? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm surprised you got that. Thank you. Thank you. I was like... Um, all right, so I... I need to make, it's not quite a correction, but kind of. On the Coyote episode this week, when I was talking about that bow jest effect where coyotes will do the vocalizations to make it sound like there's more of them than there are, um, I, sa- I said they, mm-hmm. they create an auditory hallucination. What I meant was an auditory illusion, (laughs) an auditory illusion, not a hallucination. I was slightly curious about that, actually. (laughs) Oops. Okay, that makes sense. There's other things that that cause that, but not coyotes. They they cause the illusion. Anyway, it, it, I laughed my ass <laughs> off when I heard it when I was editing, but I just kind of wanted to clarify. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so today's episode is about what to bring with you in your day pack. Oh, cool. So the reason why we're doing this, mm-hmm. yeah, so we've had some serious convos lately, and I wanted something a little lighter and a little more practical. 
So what do you take in your pack? Today, we're just going to be talking about basic stuff uh, when you're going out adventuring or going out even on what you might think is a short day hike. I've read stories about people who, you know, were going on just a couple miles and not a lot of elevation, you know, these pretty much considered easy hikes and then a storm comes in or something like that and they're just totally fucked Mm -hmm. and it and i'll tell a story after we kind of go over some of some of these supplies but it doesn't take a lot of space or effort or even a lot of money to be prepared for the elements yeah like there are a lot of fancy things you can buy but those aren't really necessities there's like inexpensive practical stuff you can get right absolutely uh and and we'll talk about my most expensive thing um but it's a hundred percent worth it also i didn't buy it my mom bought it for me so it doesn't really matter that it was expensive um oh i know what it is i was gonna say what is it and i was like trying to figure uh, it out this podcast makes it sound like my mom just like buys me everything (laughs) well you were like what were we talking about last time you're like i've uh i've snowboarded in tahoe i have snowboarded in tahoe i think that was the same episode where you're like yeah i got my new skis for the winter okay you make me sound like a douche (laughs) i work hard for your snowboard my adventures yeah yeah okay anyway let's get on to um Okay. The topic. So what's the first thing you would take? Okay. So first of all, I, the, the day pack that I have is a 19 liter pack from REI. It's a pretty small day pack to be quite honest, but everything we're going to talk about fits in there. And I could actually like strap hiking or trekking poles on the back. And I, I could put a lot more in there than I even do with all of these things. So Let's talk about the 10 essentials. Have you heard of the 10 essentials? No. Like the 10 essentials of like hiking people or something? It's like a book. Uh, it's it's just a basic, it's kind of like leave no trace principles. It's just like a basic agreed upon, this is the shit you should bring when you are out doing adventures at the very least. So we're going to go through all 10 of them. Oh, gosh. So any any kind of adventuring, and, and to be honest, in my pack, most of this stuff, except like the food and the water, mm-hmm. just stays in my pack all the time. Mm-hmm. So I never have to worry about making sure. Um, if I'm going on something longer and I'm switching to one of my bigger packs, then, you know, then I have to kind of mix things up. But for the most part, most of this stuff is just always in my pack. So these are the 10 essentials and we'll put some links to the different lists for them and things like that, but they're all the same. So the first one is going to be navigation. So this could be a map, a physical map, right? Because in a lot of places that we're out adventuring, there's no cell service. So it could be a map, a compass, something like that. What I personally have in my pack, I have a compass and I have on my phone, um, on Google, you can actually download maps of the area that you are going to be in or are in. So 
if you're offline, if you're not getting service, you can still pull up the Google Maps. Mm -hmm. And then there's also All Trails does offline maps. And I know a lot of people are super into the Gaia app, G-A-I-A, like Earth, mm-hmm. um, for the same reason. Apparently, there's a lot of really thorough maps on there. I don't use that one personally, um, just because I'm not usually that far in the backcountry doing like crazy shit. I'm more of a a day trip weekend warrior type of person, mostly because of my dogs. So I have, again, the compass, I have those downloaded maps. Um, in my car, I have physical maps. And depending on what I'm doing, where I'm going, I might throw one in the pack. But another thing that I have uh, that is super, super useful is a Garmin inReach. Mm-hmm. And this is the expensive one that we were talking about. What a Garmin inReach does is it's a satellite communicator and they have a bunch of different kinds. I have the mini one, which lets me send text messages, um, send my location, map my location and track it. Uh, There's an SOS button. And when you push that, they send rescue. So, you know, you you don't have to necessarily try to get to anywhere that has cell phone reception. It's all based on satellites. So it's, it's just a satellite communicator. And then they have other ones where you that have like a bigger screen where you can see a full map, um, more capabilities, just different offerings there. The important thing to think about if you have something like that is it's not a replacement for common sense and safety procedures. Mm -hmm. So just because you have one doesn't mean you should go out being reckless because, oh, I can just click this button and get rescued. Mm -hmm. Like you still shouldn't be a dumbass, right? You should still go prepared and, you know, The idea, when you go out in nature, the best way to prepare is being self-sufficient and thinking, I guess not thinking, but don't put yourself in a situation that you couldn't self-rescue from. And if shit hits the fan, like you roll your car and go down a ravine, yeah, you can't self-rescue from that, but you have your in-reach. You could hit the SOS button and help is on the way. So barring unexpected events, you should not be putting yourself in situations that you cannot self-rescue from. Makes sense. Yeah. And those rescues cost a lot of money Um, for someone to come out and rescue your ass anywhere from 10 to 80 grand ish. I think most of them are around 20 to 30 grand. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess worth it if you're in that scenario, but try not to end up in that scenario. Yeah. And the cool thing with the Garmin, and I I can't speak to any other of the satellite communicators because I've just used the Garmin, but um, you can get an insurance policy. So I pay $30 a year and I am insured up to $100,000 of rescue. So that could be one rescue that's 100 grand. That could be, you know, four rescues that are 25 grand, whatever, up to $100,000 of rescue in a year. But again, that doesn't mean you should go out being reckless. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's not fun for anyone to have to save you from that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next thing is sun protection. So for me, I usually just have like a hat sometimes. I don't always bring one. Um, I always have sunglasses because my eyes are just 
a little sensitive to the sun. Mm -hmm. And I usually will bring like a buff or a bandana. So I can use that for sun protection if needed. But especially if you're hiking in the desert, you know, Southeast Utah, um, Joshua Tree, Arizona, anywhere like that, you definitely want to make sure you have sun protection. Makes sense. Do you take sunscreen too? No, but I'll put some on before I go. Gotcha. All right. So the next thing on the list, number three, is insulation. And this is arguably one of the most important ones. So what this means is extra layers depending on the season. So in my pack, I've got anywhere from like a light synthetic long sleeve um, shirt or hoodie to like a thicker wool one or even like a full ass hoodie. So one of the big things with these extra layers is you want to make sure they're not cotton because cotton just absorbs any kind of water and will get you colder. Whereas synthetic materials or wool, they like wick it away from your skin. So don't use cotton if you can avoid it. Uh, Sometimes I'll bring like a puffy coat, like just my winter puffy layer. Again, depending on the season, depending on where I'm going and the temperature, uh, sometimes I'll bring hat and gloves and even yak tracks, which strap to the bottom of your shoes or your hiking boots and give you traction. Oh, yeah, those are great. I love those. So what's the next thing you would take? Well, I count a rain shell in insulation because mm-hmm. getting cold, getting wet is one of the absolute worst things you can do in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sucks all that body heat off of you. And then getting dry is really hard. So rain shell, and it doesn't matter where I'm at or what time of year, a rain shell is always, always in my pack. I just never take it out. You know, there's some stuff, the yak tracks, the hat and the gloves, um, that, you know, the, the puffy coat, stuff like that, that it kind of depends on the season, but I always have, some kind of additional layer, soft layer, and the rain shell, mm-hmm. always. It's good, good thinking. So the next one is your illumination. So in my pack, personally, I always have a flashlight and a headlamp. And depending on how far I'm going, where I'm going, when the last time I change the batteries, I will usually verify that the batteries are good. Um, I'll test it out a little bit. I might throw extra batteries in my pack. I might even just put fresh-ass batteries. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I'm going camping, I replace batteries in all my lanterns and headlamps and flashlights. Uh, I've had them go dead as I'm trying to set up a camp in the pitch black, and it's... Oh, no. The absolute worst. Yeah. That was the weekend we met uh, Shooter McGavin, actually. (laughs) You need to tell that story sometime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next thing and one of the most important is going to be your first aid kit. So this shouldn't be some little ass one, which is a couple band-aids, mm-hmm. a couple things of Neosporin. You're going to want one that has the tweezers, the gloves, um, the gauze, the Mylar blanket, which we're actually going to talk about here in a little bit. You want one that has a lot of different options in it and Every single person in your party should have one. Uh, 
um, a lot of people will go, oh, this person has the first aid kit or whatever. But how many times in all these stories about some kind of rescue or emergency situation on a mountain? People get separated. Yeah, they get separated. Or in worst case scenarios, you use up all the shit in your own and maybe need somebody else's as well. So everybody in the party should have a first aid kit. Yeah, that's true. Okay, next one is fire. So I think we're going to have maybe a, a deeper conversation about wilderness safety at a different time. I think it would make sense to like deep dive into that as far as, you know, safety with like specific animals or in specific areas. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, just ways to be extra safe. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Um, and, you know, fire in general might be a, a topic for that time because a lot of people will think, you know, if some sh- if shit hits the fan in the wilderness, oh, I got to build a fire. Actually, the most important thing you can do is, you know, obviously stay where you are, but in addition to finding water, make a shelter. Like shelter is more important than fire. So yes, you want to have items that you can make a fire with, Mm -hmm. but that shouldn't be what you're relying on. You should have a good shelter. Um, But so in my pack, I have waterproof matches and mine has like a little cotton ball that's covered with like petroleum jelly and that helps start the fire and kind of keep it going oh yeah Yeah. and those are actually great cheap fire starters to take camping i also have a flint striker so that is it's a piece of flint and a piece of carbon steel and you strike the flint against it and it creates sparks. So you mm-hmm. get some tinder. You might need to take your knife and like shave off little bits of a branch or, or something. Get, you know, something that's going to catch pretty easily and quickly. But this flint striker, mm-hmm. that's going to give you sparks to strike into that tinder or that cotton ball, whatever you have. Yeah. All right. So next thing is a repair kit or tools. So anytime I'm out doing something with anything inflatable, so maybe I have an inflatable camping mattress or I'm on an inflatable kayak or raft or something like that, I always have a patch or two or three just in case. Um, But my main thing here is going to be a Leatherman and a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. So you can do most things with the Leatherman if you get the really comprehensive ones. Mm-hmm. So next thing is going to be nutrition. So unless you're some wilderness survival mountain man, you're going to want to bring some different things to eat and keep you going. So in my pack specifically, I'll usually have like quest bars or chewy bars if it's like a shorter hike in civilization. And I usually bring grapes. Grapes are such an amazing little trail snack because they're like sweet, they're crunchy, and they're very hydrating. I just, I just love grapes on a hike. They're refreshing. Yeah. Yes, refreshing. Um, I'll usually bring an apple and trail mix and then sometimes just like a bag of almonds or something like that. Sounds delicious. 
So hydration, this is one of the most important things. So you can go without food for like three weeks or something like that. You cannot go with water for without water for normally like three days. So you want to take more water than you think you need. I know it's heavy, but coming back from an excursion with extra water is always a win. Mm-hmm. So water bottles, um, Camelback. So I have, I will fill up my camel back, which is three liters, Mm -hmm. and I will bring at least one water bottle. If I have the dogs, I'll bring more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two other things I bring in case of emergency is in my first aid kit, I have water tablets, which basically purify water that you might collect from a lake or a stream or something like that. It does taste a bit chemically. But if you're in a survival situation, who cares? Yeah, and better than getting some sort of waterborne pathogen. Right? Because if you get, for instance, and this is going to get a little gross, but (laughs) if you get like Giardia, for instance, Mm -hmm. you are going to shit your brains out and dehydrate yourself so bad. And this is why it's worse to just go drink this random ass puddle water Mm -hmm. than it is to just not have it at all because taking that risk it's a huge risk i mean that could be life or death i've seen a lot of videos lately like on social media of people drinking water outdoors because it looks clear um that doesn't matter (laughs) don't don't just drink water (laughs) from random bodies of water um it's a bad idea it's a horrible idea You're spot on. Mm -hmm. Just because you can't see something in there. Like, did these people not pass basic high school biology? (laughs) Like, what the fuck? I don't think they ever took biology in high school. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, oh, it looks clean. Like, yeah, no, it's it's not how it works. Um, Another thing that I bring that is super lightweight and not very big is a Sawyer brand water filter. So this thing is pretty small. It's it's smaller than a can of beer to give a reference that I'm looking at right now, which is the can of beer I'm drinking. Um, and it filters out um, different parasites, bacteria, and viruses. So and when you get one, it comes with um, it comes with like a little water bottle that fits in there, but it, it can fit on any kind of water source or water bottle. Um, But yeah, so I always have my Sawyer with me as well, just in case, Uh, because I've throughout my life, I've been in a couple situations that have been sketchy. And we're going to talk about one here once we get through this list. But Mm -hmm. bringing these extra things literally could be life or death. And some of them only weigh a few ounces and aren't that big of a deal, especially if you're just like going on a day hike. But I would even say more so if you're going backpacking because you're not Mm -hmm. close to anything. You almost definitely don't have cell phone reception. So, and and again, you need to self-rescue, right? So if shit hits the fan, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you take care of yourself. All right. So the last thing of the 10 essentials is an emergency shelter. Um, So this could be like, this is where I would use my rain shell if it came down to it, Uh, you know, put it up on some branches or something and get underneath it. 
uh, as as a protection from the elements. Um, but I always keep um, mylar emergency blanket. Those are those um, shiny ones that you see like runners in marathons having. I always have one of those in my first aid kit. And you can actually use those as like a, a bivyac. So bivyac is when you you have to stay somewhere overnight or choose to stay somewhere overnight and you don't have like a tent or anything. So you can get, um, we'll link a little bivy sack that I have uh, from Amazon. Thankfully, I've never had to use it, um, but it is one that is in my pack just in case. And that is a way to stay, you know, safe from the elements but not necessarily having to bring a bunch of shit with you. Makes sense. And those, some of those Mylar blankets, uh, you can actually, and, and those baby sacks, you can actually almost turn into little tents. I mean, they'd be open at each side, but the way, you know, depending on how you string them up, you could like wrap yourself in them like it's a sleeping mm-hmm. bag, or you could use them as protection from the rain if it's not that cold and you don't need to, you know, be super insulated. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. options there. So you bring like a few of them and kind of improvise? Oh, totally. Like, so I always have... Yeah, yeah. You could totally bring several. Um, I always have a bivy sack a rain shell and that, that mylar blanket, but you know, Mm -hmm. they're pretty light. So throwing a few more in there isn't going to be a problem. And actually another super, uh, easy, cheap, lightweight thing that could save your life is a poncho. Oh yeah. Those are like really underrated. I think when outdoors. Yeah, I think so too. They're super underrated. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, again, sometimes getting wet means life or death. So, you know, you can get these cheap little ponchos and throw them in there. They weigh nothing. They don't take up a lot of space. They're not a lot of money. Um, I guess my point is you can't afford to not bring this stuff. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, even if you have like a a way to call in, you know, rescue and stuff. It's not a guaranteed thing. There's a time there's going to be like, you know, the time it takes for people to get to you. And then also like injuries you may incur in the meantime. Um, It's yeah. It's better to just avoid it if possible and just be like prepared and, and have stuff just in case. Totally. And you know, a, a couple other things, even if you have a Garmin in reach, I just recently uh, heard about this story from Alaska where it was outside of Haines and these guys were going up backcountry skiing in February and the guys in front of him woke up a, a denning bear and her cub and he came around the corner and they, oh, no. yeah, they were out and they, you know, neutralize the threat which unfortunately for humans means serious injury or death and um and he had an inreach and you know his friends like hit the sos button and thankfully um his friend was also able to text his girlfriend because apparently emergency services didn't get the sos it didn't come through oh geez oh 
So That's you scary. could have that, or you could have like weather so bad that a helicopter can't come, or weather so bad that a search team can't get to you. I mean, there's like all these different reasons why, right? So again, it's about that self rescue. Well, that makes sense because yeah, you you really never know, and it's it doesn't take a lot to make sure you're going to be good. So a couple other things that I bring, and again, these all fit in my little 19 liter day pack. I bring a mini thermometer so I can see what the temperature is. That's not a survival thing. It's just, I don't know. Just, I just want to know. Just fun. (laughs) Yeah, just fun. Uh, I mentioned with the sun protection, a bandana or a buff. So a buff is the thing that um, it's one piece. You don't tie it like a bandana. It can go around your neck. uh, It can go over your face. It can go over your head, like all sorts of things. And so those can be used for like a lot of different things. So they can be used for the first step of filtering water. If the water is disgusting, like if you're in glacial runoff, there's usually a lot of silt, as you know, from living in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Do you remember like the the braided rivers and shit? It would just be like sludge coming through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gets, uh, it's super cloudy. It can be really beautiful, but um yeah, really cuts down on visibility, among other things. Yeah, beautiful, but it looks like stew. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So, so you can actually use like the buff or the bandana to filter those large particles out, like rocks and dirt and shit like that, and and then use mm. your smaller filter um, for the other things. They can be used for sun protection, um, a cooling apparatus. You could soak it in water and put it over your head or your neck. Um, and another thing you can use those for is a sling. You know, if someone breaks something or, or hurts something, you can use those. Mm-hmm. as a sling or even to help wrap like a stick for a splint around a broken bone absolutely and those weigh like literally nothing and you can just tie it like i just tie mine to one of my um one of my like chest or waist straps depending on what else i have (laughs) and they weigh like literally nothing but they can come in handy Another thing I bring is S-hooks, and I haven't really had to use these. I just bring them just in case because I feel like they don't weigh a lot. They could be handy from time to time. Yeah. And those are those. It's like a double carabiner in like an S shape. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. I know what you mean. Uh, Another thing I always bring is chapstick, not just because I have like this weird thing where I always have to have it but chapstick (laughs) you can use to help start a fire I didn't know that yeah yeah we should do a sorry we should do a microburn just about like fire starting and stuff but yeah go ahead I would love that Uh, I I will say right now I cannot (laughs) start a fire without help I have never maybe when I was like a kid in Girl Scouts because Alaskan Girl Scouts is probably not the same as other Girl Scouts. Like we were out canoeing and building shelters and like shit like that. But I've never done the the friction way. So I, you know, I'm not a survival expert, but I have the tools and the knowledge and the equipment to survive 
for myself if I had to, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Another thing, if you don't, if this is not built into your pack, then you should buy one, a whistle. So most oh, yeah. pack, most hiking packs, backpacking packs have it on the chest strap. So you have like a waist, a waist strap and a chest strap. So most hiking packs have it built in right where it clips together. And this is one of the best ways to alert people that you need help is by blowing that whistle. And it's kind of... Absolutely. Like just a known thing where if you're hearing someone in the wilderness blowing a whistle, that means they need help. And if you are able to help, you should probably do so. Yes. Very important. All right. So the last thing that I almost always keep in my pack, no matter where I'm going, is bear spray. And there's a few asterisks to this. Um, when I'm hiking around Utah... I don't have this for bears. I have this for moose or humans. I was going to say men, but yeah, humans. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much. But here's the thing. It's not actually in my pack. So if you have bear spray in your pack, even if it's on the little side areas where your water, bottle, water bottles go, that's too fucking far away. Mm -hmm. The majority of bear encounters are split second so whether you take what i used to do is i took a carabiner and i um put it around the bear spray holster and my waist strap of my pack so it was right there i could pull it out of the holster um they have different kind of belt holsters chest holsters now i use a scat belt that you so graciously gifted me and i can just pull that bear spray out and use it right away you need to be able to get to it literally in under a second if it's going to be of any use yeah yeah i mean it's, there's some times where you have more time than that but is it worth risking mm -hmm. no so chest holster belt loop literally fast enough where you don't even have to think to just grab it and it should always be in the same spot so it just becomes muscle memory and that's true in your tent also actually that's a side note but always in the same spot so it's just muscle memory oh, good point yeah in a tent that would be a very important thing to have so that is what is in my pack and the 10 essentials and without we've already gone quite long so God, maybe this will just become a regular episode. Fuck it. Um, we can just turn it into like a macro Bruin. <gasps> like a... Yes, a, a macro Bruin. Kind of. No, I love it. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is what Pam does. She steals my ideas. And then I forget. And then I she tells me, I'm like, no, it was probably no, 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 you. No, 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 that's not true. <laughs> I give you credit. I give you credit for shit you don't even do. So don't even come at me. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's accurate. Without going super overboard, I was going to tell two stories because Charlotte wanted me to tell one of them, but I think we'll have to save that for a different episode. But last year, and you know this story, um, but last year I was out doing some exploring and before I left that day, I, I knew I wasn't going to be hiking. I knew I wasn't going to be doing anything crazy. And I had my day pack with all my shit in it 
by the front door as I usually do. I set everything up the night before and because I, I tend to leave super early um, on adventures. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the pack. I clearly remember looking at the pack and going, hmm, I'll bring it just in case. And so I grabbed it. I brought it. I was out checking out the Beckler area of Yellowstone, which you can only get to through some back roads in Idaho. You can't get to it from any of the main park roads or anything like that. And I went down this little forest road because it linked up with a section that actually you and I talked about floating. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. We were going to float a river when you came up. Yeah. yeah. So I was like looking at the map and I was like, oh, I'm going to take this little forest road. I knew there was a storm coming in and my plan was to be done before the storm came in. So I'm going down this forest road and I'm trying to link up between the Beckler area and like warm river in Idaho and it start like I see these clouds coming in. It starts to rain, so I'm I say fuck it. I'm gonna turn around. I'm gonna go back to the main road. I'm not gonna try to go down a warm river. I'm gonna go back to the main road. I'm just gonna you know go home because safety is always my number, absolute number one mm-hmm. thing over over anything. Like I'm not gonna risk safety for a bear viewing or a wolf viewing or you know checking an area out like safety is my number one so i I turned around i started to go back and because this is a national forest area so this area is in between grand teton and yellowstone um, boundaries and because it's national forest and cattle can graze on national forest there were apparently cows around and as I'm kind of going around this corner, these two baby cows are, they're kind of like wrestling, not wrestling, but like butting heads and just playing with each other. And they kind of come out into the forest road. And so I was only going like not even 10 miles an hour. So I swerved to get out of their way. Well, I went over a huge rock and tore open my um, oil pan. Uh, to get out of the way of these cows. And I didn't realize it at the time. I just thought I went over, you know, a mm-hmm. bump. And as soon as my oil pressure warning started to come on, I pulled over as soon as I could, got out of the way. Uh, and I I kind of just sat there for a little while. And I, I got out of the car and I looked behind and there was just oil everywhere. And I was like, fuck my oil pans destroyed. Like there's no, like it's just gone. And so I took about 20 minutes and I sat in the car, just kind of staying calm and evaluating the situation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have my in reach at that time. And I had no cell reception, which was weird because I had it right before and right after. And it started to rain and thunder and lightning really bad. So the storm came in way stronger and way sooner than it was supposed to. Like I was going to be out of there way before then. That was my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hit way earlier, way stronger. And just the rain was insane. Like I kind of sat there for a little while contemplating what was going on, seeing if someone would drive by. 
I was in a very obscure place that apparently not a lot of other people go by. I mean, it was a Saturday afternoon and in August and nobody else drove by. So after about 20 minutes, um, and thankfully I had downloaded the maps on Google. So I knew I was only, I was a little less than two miles from the main road. So I put a little note on the dashboard, you know, car broke down, walking to this highway or whatever, in case anybody came by. I got my pack, I got my bear spray out, I got my rain shell on, got my nice hiking shoes. Um, I I had enough shit in the car. I probably could have survived out there for like three weeks on my own, to be quite honest. But... <laughs> I was looking at like the weather map and it was, it was just going to get worse. Um, so it was like, Oh, spend all night here in this terrifying situation or try to hike out before it gets too bad. And because I had dogs at home, I decided, Hey, I'm going to try to hike out before it gets too bad. Mm -hmm. So I had to hike a couple miles to that main road. And to be honest, that was, I I've been in some, pretty sketchy situations throughout my life. And I don't know if this one messed with me a little bit more because I'm older now uh, or or because I was alone or what. But it was, it was a little unnerving to be kind of going through grizzly habitat. Absolutely. In a thunderstorm, trying to get back to the main. I made up a song. I sang really loud. I clapped a lot. Um, I All I saw was cows and a... A deer so you know i get to the main road and lightning starts hitting i'd say within a half mile pretty close you know eventually someone came by and was able to just to, to grab me but my point is shit can happen i mean a sedan could have driven that road it wasn't like i was being careless or reckless right yeah and shit can just happen sometimes and mm -hmm. If you expect, not expect the worst, but prepare for the worst and kind of pre-workout in your head what you're going to do if that happens, it can really help the situation. So taking stock. Absolutely. Being able to calmly weigh those decisions um, and kind of figure out what you're going to mm -hmm. do. But but honestly, knowing like I was in my vehicle, so I had a sleeping bag, I had camping blankets, like, I'm not kidding, I literally could have been out there for weeks and weeks and weeks and been fine. Um, but mm -hmm. knowing that helped me stay calm of like, okay, well, I know I have all these things I can filter water, like I wasn't that far away, right. But in my brain, I it was it's still scary. It's a little unnerving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it, but it but it was definitely good knowing that I was prepared and you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst is such a great mantra because when you get in those situations and that wasn't the first time I had a vehicle break down in the middle of nowhere. You know, the other times were always in Alaska with friends and stuff, but running through scenarios in your head thinking, what am I going to do if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, mm -hmm. and then doing what you can to prepare and ensure those things don't happen. But if they do, you're ready and you're calm and you're collected and you're going to make those good decisions 
you know, mine was very minor. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in danger. I wasn't like close to death, like nothing like that compared mm-hmm. to other things I've heard. But even so, just just knowing that you're prepared and having those things is priceless, absolutely priceless. Absolutely. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> okay, so I, I think we've gone a little long enough. Uh, try not to bore everybody too much, but thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> it was lovely. And next time we are out in the wilderness, you will see all of my survival things. I'm excited. Me too. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.